0: this is Wade Major along with
1: Mark Kaiser
0: and we'd like to welcome you to the uh, DigiGods podcast on this unfortunately not very uh optimistic week um our our hearts and our thoughts and our prayers go out to uh, all of our friends and listeners in Paris and uh and in Europe uh, the extended european family uh hopefully you're all safe and and not too uh Shaken by the events in Paris, and uh, hopefully life can get back to normal for everybody at some point soon.
1: Okay, can I say something unpopular?
0: Yes. By all (laughs) means, do it.
1: Okay. Now, the friends that I have in France... Yes. I emailed them individually... Yeah. ...to them. Yeah. They were emailed by me. Yes. When I go on Facebook, and I see all these people saying prayers for France... We love you, France. Let's think—we're all thinking about France. I have to call BS on that.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, obviously, if you're from France, I'm not yeah. talking about that. I'm talking about the guy in Boise, Idaho, who says prayers for France. Yeah. I, I think a lot of those. Yeah. A lot of those uh, posts—they're narcissistic. They people post like
0: bandwagon posts.
1: It's their bandwagon post. It's yeah. really—it's just people saying it's not about France. It's about saying, "Look at me! Look how nice I am." Yes. It, it, it's narcissistic.
0: I appreciate the sentiment, um, but uh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I mean, you 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 want people to be supportive, but you want them to be sincere at the same time. Uh, here, here's sort of. Uh, I mean, I have you know, I have a relative in Paris on the outskirts, not in a good neighborhood. Uh, I got a friend in the city of saint monde which is basically like a little tumor on Paris. It just kind of sits there on the uh, on the eastern side. Uh, and I know what you know, and I, and I have uh, people I've you know I know through work and whatnot. So um, you know I know people in Paris, and a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine that I used to work at Air France with, literally came home uh, two days before she was there visiting family, and then uh, you know the day of the Charlie Hebdo attacks in January ten months ago, um, my wife would have would normally have been arriving there that day. That was mm. the day she was scheduled to arrive, but they didn't they didn't go. So you know knock on wood but uh in any case and and also sending a shout out not to be forgotten as well to anybody in Lebanon. I don't know that we have any listeners in Lebanon but I'm sure we have a lot of family members who may have a lot of uh, listeners who may have family members in Lebanon so our our hearts our hearts and thoughts and prayers go out to them as well. Um that kind of got overshadowed I think because people are just sort of accustomed to bombings in Lebanon and I don't think people go to go to Lebanon to vacation. So um you know they sort of overlooked that and the news didn't really report it very well but again that was that was a hit in lebanon as well and that's horrible uh so we will uh, we will carry on with the show and and try to uh you know elevate your spirits a little bit and uh do the best that we can cover uh all of these wonderful titles mark welcome back thank you sorry about the mets
1: So tragic. (laughs) So close, but yet. Well, you know, what's funny is that, you know, we did not deserve to win that series. We made the Royals were very good. They exploited our weaknesses. However, given all that, you realize that three of the four games we lost, we were leading those games in the eighth inning or later. I I noticed. So it wasn't like it was just a bunch of blowouts. Yeah. You know, so as poorly as we played and as good as the Royals are, if our, closer, you, you're, you're, if our closer did not set a major league record by blowing three saves in a World yeah, Series, yeah. <laughs> if he didn't blow any of those saves, we'd be world champions. Oh, well. And by the way, I, I know what you're asking yourself. It's going
0: to be you. a good team next year. No, it's not. No? No.
1: <laughs> D- Daniel Murphy's already gone. Uh, Cespedes uh. is gone. So it's pretty much going to be the same thing we had last year, which is we're, we're all pitching no hit. Unless, mm. we, uh, unless we make an amazing trade for mm. a big bat, because we need a big bat. By the way, I just – before we talk about DVDs and – Yes, and
0: And we have a Vox Box today.
1: Yes, we know. No, no. Wade, I would like to uh, uh, – I would like you to answer a question for me. Sure. I went to three of the World Series games. That's why I was in New York. Yes. I went to games three, four, and five. Yes. Uh, How much do you think I paid for a ticket? Now, uh, there was only $200 – Difference between the three tickets? Let's just say I'll just let's put, yes. I'll put one number on it. What do you think was the amount I paid for each of those three tickets?
0: Uh, Six hundred and fifty dollars. Oh, you are you
1: crapping me? <laughs> I would I, I would that would be the most amazing day of my life if um, I eleven hundred. Oh, I wish two thousand. Now listen, to that <laughs> uh,
0: fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred dollars. Oh my gosh,
1: cost me fifteen hundred dollars. So it was fifteen hundred dollars a ticket, eight hundred dollars to fly to New York. Now, luckily, I had a free place to stay. So you know what I, I was talking to a ticket broker because that was the only way I can get tickets, and uh, you know it just became one of those YOLO things. <laughs> just, just do it. You know what? Just swallow hard and just do it wow. because okay. I don't know when it's going to happen again. And I had a great time. I mean, you know, great. You know, there's a, that's grading on a curve yeah. in terms of a great time. But um, but it was it was fantastic. I, I'll I'll say this in my life, I've been to. Uh, eight World Series games, so far wow. I am I am two and six. In the eight World Series games,
0: I don't think you should I go guess. anymore. You're kind of the kiss of death.
1: I'm I'm two and six.
0: Yeah, you and I'm, you I'm and four. you and Pop Cartwright, you guys should not really. Who? Uh, Pop Cartwright Bonanza? Yeah,
1: is he two and six? Go to World no, Series? No, but
0: he's the kiss of death. Don't you? You don't you remember? All of those boys are from different moms. Like they all died. It's like every <laughs> how woman. How do you
1: remember that? Every woman he marries,
0: they they like have they like have a son and then she dies. He, just, he, Somehow he just he, they all die in childbirth because he, he just. I, I don't know. It's horrifying. Anyway,
1: well, you, you know what killed him having sex with Lauren Green. <laughs> Must
0: That's be. what killed him. Must be. Anyway, uh, so listen. Also, want to a uh, little bit of housekeeping uh, right up top. Um, uh, please continue to uh, visit the uh, the digigods.com and uh, check out the the rundown of the shows every week. We have them hyperlinked to Amazon for your convenience. Let us know if you if you like the way we do it. We've had some suggestions. Some people would like for us to. Uh, Annotate the list with our recommendations, as opposed to just having a, a an alphabetical list of the titles we cover. Um, I want to make that you know going into when we we finally get everything up and going on the website, I want that to be as user friendly as possible. So uh, please check that out. Let us know how that works for you, and um, send us intros. We need more intros. Need a lot more intros from listeners, by all means, we're soliciting intros. So send us your intros, your listener mail, and your Vox boxes to gods at digigods.com. Any newcomers, a Vox box is an audio question. Record yourself in any audio format asking a question. We'll clip it into the show and answer it. Um, and we we have had uh, the recommendation to do an all-Voxbox show. But
1: we don't have enough Voxboxes. Well, we, do we don't have enough Voxboxes Box Box yet.
0: So load us up with Voxboxes so that uh, one of the shows during our hiatus, we might be able to uh, chime in there. Um, Mark will, of course, be gone again for a bit in December because uh, work is loading you down with something top secret. I'm not even going to inquire. It's not
1: top secret. Well,
0: whatever it is. You know, I know you're doing... Uh, well, so
1: I'll, I'll be gone for Thanksgiving.
0: You'll be gone, yeah. I'm
1: going to New York, going back to New York for Thanksgiving.
0: But you will be here for next week for yes. the holiday show. Indeed I will. And then you'll be taking off. So next week, big holiday show. Got big things. Uh, we got interviews, Mark.
1: Got interviews. I know. Got it's interviews. exciting. I was there. Yep. We got interviews. By the way, can I call you out on something? Go ahead. On digigods.com. Go yes. to digigods.com if you want to read the worst metadata ever. Yeah. Okay. This is, this, is the, this is the metadata from last week, and then yeah, we'll talk about DVDs because this is taking too long.
0: See, Mark usually writes the metadata, and last week I decided to write it because I okay. just, I couldn't control myself.
1: With Mark still away, Wade and Tim, our good friend Tim Cockshell, Wade and Tim run a royal Hollywood gamut from Burt Reynolds, listener doesn't care, City Poitier, listener doesn't care, Susan Hayward, listener doesn't know who that is, WC Fields, maybe the listener might have heard of them. Possibly Dirk Bogart, Forget that. That's a non. That's a starter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now you're going. Amy Schumer, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Naomi Watts, Jackie Chan. Those are good. Doctor Goldfoot. No one knows who that is. Doctor Terror. I guess that was the guy with the, the mandible. No one knows what that is. This <laughs> metadata is terrible. Well, he's supposed to entice people to listen to the show. I... Not, not. Oh my God! We're going to talk about Dirk Bogart and Susan Hayward. I can't wait to download that.
0: Yeah, there we go. He's that's ty- tw- that's guy. what I do. <laughs> That's what I do. Let right?
1: just, you let me write the metadata.
0: I will. Thank you. I will. So, um, and um, there was something else I was going to talk about at the top of the show and it has completely slipped my mind. But, uh, you know, anyway. Is there
1: a comment section on the did you There's not.
0: Uh, I think you can. I think you is can there comment, a comment section but on the Digigods. There's no on the... Do- well, there's no point in doing it because eventually, when they, they will, the, the comment section will be significant on the on the uh, on the website when that goes up because it will have its own comment thing. You and mean
1: Synagods?
0: The Synagods site, the Digigods page on the Synagods site. That's yes. going to
1: be my new outlet, my new movie reviewing outlet.
0: Absolutely. Yep. It is. Yes, I know. I We're going to put all kinds of incendiary blog stuff up there, and uh, can I talk
1: about how how people who post uh, uh, "We love you, France." And Paris on Facebook are just narcissists. Sure, why I'm, not? I'm be, I'm Lose this. all of sure. our listeners. <laughs>
0: but but seriously, we'll we'll do a combination VoxBox and listener mail if we don't get enough Vox boxes. But send us both listener mail. No, <laughs> listener mail, Vox boxes. Send us everything at uh, gods dot com, and uh, we will uh, we'll have a lot of fun next week, and then on through the holidays. Hope everybody has a, everybody has a great time. All right, goodbye. No, good night, everyone. That's good the night. Show. Yeah. The show is
1: nothing but housekeeping.
0: So, uh, why don't we do it in the road? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, you know what, Mark? I have a stack here. Every once in a while, we will cover cover the uh, LGBT titles.
1: Oh, let's start with that. You know yeah, what? Shall we yeah, start actually, with that? Actually, for the metadata this, for the metadata <laughs> for this week, I'm going to uh, list every one of these movies. <laughs> we'll cover that later. This week, in the show. dishonored bodies.
0: I thought you'd be amused by that suggestion. Uh, so let's see. We've got classic, you, classic movies or new movies. You yeah, it's like new do- movies.
1: Come on, people want new movies, uh, crying out Jesus. You
0: know, like you know, you want them to kind of hope hope that that comes later in the show, right?
1: But it, it, but people listen to this on uh, an iPod. They just scroll back and forth anyway.
0: All right, fine. So <laughs> be it. So uh, let's. By the way, how
1: come some people's okay is a pet peeve. Yes. So be it, right? Yeah. So anyway, let's uh, anyway. So that's the way it is. So be it. Some people say "so be it." They put the emphasis on the "it." Yeah, you know so what be I say. It.
0: Sobieski, as in Lily Sobieski.
1: What happened to her? By the way, uh, I'm looking at Paper Towns, and I, I have to say that um, uh, I watched uh, Me and Earl and the Dying Girls late on that,
0: which which I really like. It's good. I think it's great.
1: That kid is good. Uh,
0: he's good. Yeah, you know, is very. Um, yeah. Paper Towns not. It's kind of a. I don't want to say it's a low rent version of it, but it's sort of like the version that's not as good.
1: Well, it was written by the same guy who wrote uh, "The Fault on Our Stars." What's yeah. his name? Uh, John Green.
0: Which is a more serious version of, the, of "Me and Earl and Dying Girl."
1: Yeah, th- this is yeah. definitely not as uh, this is not not as effective. Um, it's a little more, you know, the, th- the thing with uh, a "Me and straighter. Earl." Yeah, the thing with "Fault on Our Stars" and "Me and Earl" is that it deals with pretty heavy subject matter in two completely different ways. Um, this one deals in a typical subject matter in a typical way. It's kind of a road trip movie, but. Um, Directed by a guy Jake Shearer, and uh, you know uh, he definitely can work with young actors, I guess. But yeah. that's really all it's got going for it. Uh, I, I, you know, I Cara Delevingne, she makes the gossip rags a lot. I don't know who she is or what she does. All I know is that she's in this movie. Okay, and she looks like she's 16, although in real life she's not
0: 16. Well, anyway, it's a uh, Blu-ray DVD digital HD meaning ultraviolet combo set from the good people at 20th Century Fox. Not much by way of special features, deleted scenes, alternate scene uh some feature usual uh epk stuff uh gag reel that's okay um yeah you know probably probably a better rental than uh, than a uh, than a, a, a to own um you know uh there's an interesting film here called the young and prodigious ts Spivet. you know about this mark i do not this is a jean pierre Genet film that did what? not get a, that did not get a theatrical release. Crazy. Uh, yeah, wacky, right? Uh, it's the strangest thing. So, uh-huh. so here's the deal: this thing was made two years ago, and uh, no one ever picked it up for release here, which I find just utterly inconceivable. Um, it is uh, it, it's not it's not terrible. I mean, it's you know, it's got Helena Bonham Carter, and uh, you know, it's got a decent decent cast in it. Uh it is based on a children's book that I am not familiar with, which is some kind of bestseller called The Young and Prodigious T.S. Pivot. And uh I uh I I just I don't know, man. Um this this completely went under the radar. But anyway, they uh they sent this to us and uh I, you know I, I glanced a little bit at it. It literally arrived yesterday, so I have not watched the whole thing, cannot speak to it completely. To get a blu-ray of this they only sent me the dvd the blu-ray apparently is an amazon uh manufacturer on demand so i'm you know as much of this as i watched i thought it's, it's typical genet right i mean it's kind of it's it's nicely photographed i can only evaluate the dvd i can only imagine the, the blu-ray looks substantially better um nicely photographed no extras on here um it's it kind of has a rolled doll feel to it this kid, you know, and his journey and the whole thing—it sort of got a James and the Giant Peach vibe to it. But um, I, I can't imagine that any—that this thing is—it was such a turnoff to anybody that, that no American studios wanted to release it, that no one wanted to pick it up. No Weinstein, no Fox Searchlight, no no Green Street, no nobody. I mean, it's—I figured somebody should have wanted to grab this. But anyway, um, there it is. So go figure—a Jean-Pierre Jeunet film that got no love from. Any distributor, anywhere. Very strange.
1: Uh, speaking of strange, Wade, um, the end of the tour with Jason Siegel and Jesse Eisenberg. Now, this movie, um, I, I have a... Um, the issue I have with this movie is not that it's a bad movie. It's actually probably a good movie. My issue is that uh, the movie is about... Uh, Nothing l- happens. No. It kind of doesn't. That's <laughs> nah, true. But the movie is about the late author, David Foster Wallace, who I was a huge, huge fan of. I, I saw him speak. And I was very upset when he committed suicide a couple of years ago. And so I really resisted seeing this movie because I felt like it was just going to be everyone playing dress up and pretending that they're David. Because David Foster Wallace was such an odd, iconoclastic, unique, brilliant, genius figure yeah. that it seemed like Jason Siegel would just put on a bandana and, and pretend just, he's David Foster Wallace right. and he's just going to be lame. He, he
0: kind of nails it.
1: I think he kind he he of nailed it.
0: He kind of nails it. I, I, it's, it's an interesting performance. It's probably the only thing that I think is significant about seeing the film. Um, it reminds me a tiny bit of the uh, – and now I'm drawing a total blank on it. Uh, no, no, no. The uh, Elijah Wood movie that came out just a few months ago, Black and White, uh, where uh, basically he's – it's a similar story based on, uh, on, the, uh, on a journalist's memoirs of uh, hanging out with uh, Dylan Thomas. During his big New York tour and his big drunken escapades. Um,
1: oh, yeah, that was. Um, hang on, I'm thinking of it. I'm thinking yeah, of it. It's something uh, with Elijah
0: Wood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you'll find it.
1: <laughs> Grand piano.
0: Uh, not Grand piano. It, it, I thought it was two you, years ago. <laughs> it's after Grand piano.
1: You'll get it. Uh, wait, on. hang on. Uh, the Last right. Witch Hunter. Okay, you, now n- n- now I'm on his IMDb page. Okay. Uh, set Fire to the Stars.
0: There you go. Set Fire to the Stars. Why wouldn't I remember that? It's such an easy title to remember. Good grief.
1: Anyway, so uh, uh, Similar end Similar kind tour. of a deal,
0: yes. but, but uh, yeah, end of the tour. I, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, Jason Siegel shows, here's, here's the thing about his performance. It's very Jason Segel-y, but it's also very good. So he somehow finds that groove between where he's not stretching too far, but he kind of still captures the essence of David Foster Wallace. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, he's Foster Wallace. Well, the thing with Foster, he's not doing he's not doing a Daniel Day Lewis where he's completely inhabiting the guy. He he's not that kind of an actor, so he creates his own kind of impersonation that's still partly him. So he doesn't have to stretch to where it's embarrassing.
1: Yeah, I mean, having seen having seen Wallace in person, I got to say that it's like he's. He seemed he's the type of author who probably killed himself because he was like eaten up by his own internal thoughts. Yeah. He's just this guy who just, just can't turn crazy. it off. No. And yeah. so Siegel has to be able to portray that. And even seeing Siegel smile as Wallace yeah. feels weird. It is. You know, because uh the real Wallace was such a tortured figure. Yeah. But it's good. I mean it's it's good. And I, Jesse
0: Eisenberg didn't make me uh hate him like he usually does.
1: That's like his thing. Yeah. But uh anyway, nice, so, nice. seeing um, Joan Kuzak again, right? Yeah. Where's anyway, she been? So uh Peter Bogdanovich is back and worse than ever in the oh, horrible no, no, She's no, Funny no. That Way. No, no. This no, is no. just terrible. I love oh, this movie. So, Why did you hate this? It's like so old unfunny. Fashioned,
0: it's like an old-fashioned screwball comedy. You know, it, it's like it, what's up, Doc? It, it, it's once, old What's up, Doc is hilarious. So is this. No, no, no. Oh. J- you know
1: who's good in this? Jennifer Aniston's funny. She's so Jennifer Anderson is the only one who nails That screwball feel. Everybody else is running around, going. Owen Wilson still thinks he's in a Woody Allen film. (laughs) It's just, it's just terrible. This thing is just. I love this uh, movie.
0: Really? I think this is fantastic. I think it's so much fun. No, it has Reese no Reese Come on, Reese Charm or
1: wit, and then and the horrible, the horrible accent on Reese Ifans is great. The horrible accent on the girls. Oh my oh, gosh, the she's top. wonderful.
0: Oh, it's the worst. Oh, it's so much fun. <laughs> the girl, the girl, of course, is Imogen Poots, <laughs> who Whatever. is British, but she puts on a complete Brooklyn accent. No, 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 here. no.
1: She, 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 literally, if if you took every resident of Brooklyn in the last hundred years <laughs> and, and combined their accents, it would not be her accent. <laughs>
0: okay. Okay, the idea, basically, just so that we explain this to people so that they don 't know what, uh, so they understand what we 're fighting over uh, the idea is it 's all sort of from the point of view of a woman who is a star played by Imogen Poots who 's talking like this she 's talking with the really, really thick New York accent, and she 's a star now, and how'd she get started well it, it, it's, in, it's implied in not so many words, and rather obviously that she started as a call girl. And then we go obviously into the flashback episodes of how this unlikely stardom was manufactured, and all of the characters that are in her orbit. And uh, Jennifer Aniston is so outrageously funny as just the biggest bitch who has ever walked the earth. She is so angry at everyone. And oh, she's
1: funny. She is funny, in, I like as,
0: including and especially uh, Will Forte, who's who's her boyfriend, and who she just abuses. With reckless abandon, it's just—it's horrific. Reese Eifens is just this com- this, this this Broadway swengali. You out of your mind. Of
1: your mind. I mean, By the way, on. can I can I say too about uh, uh, Imogen Poots and the, the horrible accent? Uh, Not her fault. I mean, she I, she had that accent, and Bogdanovich said, "I like that. Let's keep doing that." I thought this. So was that's so his fault. Fun that that's on him. Huh? I thought
0: it was fun and old fashioned. Blu-ray and ultraviolet on this one. Uh, special features include a commentary with Bogdanovich, which is great. If there's anybody I could listen to for just hours oh, sure. and hours on end, it's Bogdanovich. Ab- 100%. He's just an absolute joy. I if agree. you've gotten sick of commentaries and you just kind of ignore them and don't care to listen to them, and it's just something on, a, on a, a, an extra, you stop and just listen to this one. Even if you don't even watch the movie, just listen to Bogdanovich talk. It's wonderful. Uh, and he does it with his co-writer and producer. And, right. then, uh, and then, you no, know, no that's it. <laughs> uh Nicolas Cage in Pay the Ghost,
1: Evil Walks Among Us. He's just he, he's just he's becoming like the Steven Seagal of like you know the A list actors. Seriously. Yes.
0: If we wanted to make a movie and get Nick Cage to star in it, how much money do you think we'd have to pay him? Like if we Well, he's
1: still paying off a bunch of his taxes, right? Yeah. I mean, so so if this. we
0: can if we can come up if, let's say you and if you and I, if we can come up with his salary, he'll do anything, right? We know that. It, if it you can't
1: just, be more than five million.
0: Okay, I okay. can't. I'm, I'm sure. No for some, I'm sure for some of these films, it's a lot less. I'm like sure. Left Behind. There's yeah. no way. I'll bet you could. Get, I bet you could get him for two. Uh, seriously, I'll That's bet. So for, I'll sad. bet you for some films. I bet you he will do. I'll bet you if it's if it's a, if it's like one week's worth of work, you could get him for like like I'll, five I'll, or six hundred thousand. So why don't we do this? Let's yeah. let's let's Kickstarter f- campaign. Let, kick, let's let's kickstart. Let's you and I kickstart like six hundred thousand dollars just to pay for Nick Cage's salary. And we'll just use my 7D, and we'll ju- no, we don't even need a script. We'll just like like wing it for a week. We'll just make a movie with Nick Cage, and and it's money in the bank. No,
1: he, his will do because
0: people for apparently they want to see him because he keeps doing stuff.
1: His will do. We'll write an entire hundred page script. Yes, of which we need Nick Cage for three days. There you go. So we contact him, yes. and we say, hey, we need you for three days. Show him the okay. script. He'll do it because we're going to pay him. Okay. All we ever shoot are his three days, and then we make <laughs> it into a short film. That's what we do. again, no. <sighs>
0: It could do. Uh, yeah, why not? Sure. Anyway, this is a... Uh, this is a You know thr- what I'm
1: telling you? Here's the thing. I, it, it's not, it won't happen today, and it won't happen tomorrow, but someday Nick Cage is going to have one of those roles, like, like Mickey Rourke and the Wrestler, where you'll be like, oh my God, he's back. Yeah, well... And then he'll fall off the wagon again, and that'll be it.
0: So he's a guy, his kid disappeared uh, a year earlier during Halloween, and now he's, uh, he's having haunting, these like uh, hallucinations or whatever, and he's... He's got to, and now he's going to try to unravel, you know, where what happened to his kid a year earlier. I, it's uh, you know, I mean, as far as missing kid movies go, there's nothing about this that makes sense. But I, I, as much as we're ripping on Nicolas Cage, you know what? He still has flashes of brilliance. That guy that we once knew, you know, who was so good in the 80s and everything, he still shows up once in a while. So I guess, I, you know, I guess why not? Sure, if you're a Nick Cage fan, go for it. It's not good, it's not terrible, it's okay.
1: Uh, speaking of not good, terrible, okay, The Man from U.N.C.L.E. Yeah. Now, it's funny. You get uh, – you get. Uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, Better
0: than it has any reason to be. Well,
1: you know what? People uh, mark this thing as being an automatic bomb. I was kind of intrigued. I was like, this might be kind of cool. And I have to say, it really – its look, it's a bunch of posturing. It is. It's very – it's incredibly handsome, could... vapid-looking guys wearing beautiful suits, driving cool cars –
0: I don't like either of them. Either neither of them holds a candle to uh, Robert Vaughn or David uh, McCallum not, yeah. on, on the TV show. Neither of them, not even close. They're just good-looking guys. Uh, that that being said, and we're talking about Army Hammer and uh, and Superman.
1: Uh, so, Henry Cavill but it, yeah. it's, it's, so, it's it's really it's really empty fun
0: but it's it, but what, what keeps you going is uh, is the direction Guy Ritchie he just kind of he does his thing and he's got it down and he knows how to do that and yes it's completely routine Guy Ritchie but to see it kind of imposed on the man from Uncle it's sort of like Guy Ritchie doing his version of James Bond so I mean there's some there's a thing to that there is a thing and that's a, and it's an okay thing uh, How the Mighty Have Fallen Mark uh, Trash is a Stephen Daldry film Stephen Daldry the, Stephen Daldry who used to be kind of a routine Oscar nominee every year, you know, just Billy Elliot Billy Elliot the hours, I mean on and on and on, you know, he was the man Martin uh, Sheen the, yeah. Um this is just uh really unfortunate. It's not a bad film, but there's it's hard to see why he why he would opt for this? It, it's it's so strange. There are certain guys, and you know who, you know who else has kind of gone this route, which just kind of disappeared down the rabbit hole after being kind of a big Oscar contender for a moment. Um, uh, what's his name? The guy did Shine, Jeffrey Rush? No, 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 the director.
1: Oh, the director, uh, not Jim Sheridan. Uh, yeah, no, the he the
0: did sh- Shine, then Snow Falling on Cedars. Yeah, no, uh, and, hang uh, on, not anyway. Jim
1: Sheridan. The other guy. Yeah. Wait, I, is it? Uh, 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 yeah. uh, is it no? Huh? Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, you'll get it. Um, Scott Hicks. Scott Hicks just kind of poof. Poof. It's just strange, you know. It's like he, he was on the A list one year, and then now he's now he's gone. Anyway, Stephen Daldry, he'll make a comeback. I I have no doubt. But uh, this is just strange. Uh, it's essentially about these uh, these kids in Rio de Janeiro who come from the slums and they live off of garbage, and. Uh, a, a, let's just say a, um, a strange twist of fate happens and uh, threatens to or, or certainly puts them on the road to completely changing their lives. It sounds as though it might be magical, but it's not really. Uh, it, it, just, it, it feels kind of like this was a great log line but nobody could ever quite flesh it out, and that's really unfortunate. It just isn't... Um, it's not the deal, man. It's not the deal. Martin Sheen's in it. That's, he's not A-list anymore. Rooney Mara um, shows up in a lot of good movies, including Carol, which is going to be amazing when you see it this season. Bl- blow your mind how good that movie is. Uh, she could get an Oscar nomination for that, but this just... Anyway, it's called Trash, and it's uh, Blu-ray and ultraviolet. Uh, I mean, is it, is it worth seeing? Sure. Is it up to the snuff with a Stephen Daldry film of the past? You know, The Hours, The Reader. The Absolutely not. Billy Elliot. No, not even close. Not even in the ballpark. It's just I have to believe he's getting better offers than this. You know, I've got to believe it. But well, whatever. he must
1: not be because he's doing that.
0: That's yeah, strange. Oh, anyway. Zardoz. Oh, well, speaking of Zardoz, how, uh, how about Zarafa? Did you see Zarafa? No. Okay. They animated. I don't think it's uh, eligible for our animation award. You saw Animalisa.
1: That's good. It is. Charlie huh? Kaufman. Yeah. And by and I saw Charlie Kaufman in the restaurant. Oh, did you? Because I, I ate at the some restaurant. Yeah. And Oops. was he with
0: Nick Cage? See that's no. a, see how I brought that back? I kind of tied
1: it in. Good job. Right. Yeah. Charlie Kaufman, by the way, is very Charlie Kaufman looking.
0: I'm sure he is. Very
1: disheveled. Which is very Nick short, Cage. Short disheveled, huh? No, Nick Cage is not short disheveled. Yeah,
0: but he but he plays Charlie Kaufman right in. Yes, he does. Yes.
1: Okay. Carry on. I don't get
0: it. I don't get it either. Anyway, so uh, Zarafa is, is an okay animated film. It's a 2D animation, old school. Uh, did not get a theatrical release, but it is, it is getting a rather lush uh, Blu-ray release from CineDime. And uh, it, uh, it, it, this is that style of animation that happens when you try to sort of adapt anime uh, fundamentals to Western animation. Uh, in any case, the, uh, the whole thing is inspired by a, the true story of the very first time that a giraffe was brought to France. That is essentially the story here. Oh, uh, stupid is, giraffe! It is kind of Disney-esque. Uh, it's like Disney Sideways and down a couple of notches, uh, but it's it's family-friendly. It's very very sweet, and the whole you know story of this orphan boy and uh, you know starting in Africa and everything—it's it's fine. It's it's very sweet. So uh, it's you know it's and it's it's short and it uh, it's good for the kids. So I I can't not recommend it really. Zarafa. <laughs> it's a, it's a sweet film.
1: I sneezed, Wade. I know you, you did You didn't say Tight." Uh, God bless you, uh, go to hell. You said nothing.
0: A No. In honor of the people in Paris. Aww. I will do a little French thing. Aww. By the way, um, uh, before we get into that next film. Yes. I want to segue to something to that because we just talked about Martin Sheen. And I don't like to be a gossip monger on the show. But this is a thing that's going around. And uh, I did get some 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 queries, so I, I we're going to go a little bit tabloid here, but the rumor mongering about this megastar in quotes who is HIV positive. Have you been following this whole thing? No. What are you You've talking about? You have not been following this? No, not at all. Are you serious? I'm serious. Wait a minute. You, are you given your job, this really went under your radar
1: well we would not report that so we would not report something like that unless it was confirmed okay. the arrest so, or whatever
0: so here's the thing here's the, here's what's going on g- are
1: you not are you not going to say who we're talking about what's well, the point what's the, the point p- of the story if you don't tell me who the point we're talking of the story.
0: about so so essentially the tabloids are going nuts and and the gossip columns are going nuts over the over a leak now that a that there is a quote unquote mega superstar who is uh HIV positive and has been for two years, and who acquired it somewhere between endless liaisons with porn stars and hookers and uh Eddie Murphy. And, and transsexuals and uh and and you know drug fueled madness I'm and so all this Googling,
1: stuff. I'm Googling this right Google now. Google it
0: right now. Apparently just the partying life was just never ending over and over and injecting drugs and who knows what and this megastar is fa- is panicking now because apparently there are porn stars who have come up HIV positive who are going to sue him
1: Hollywood gossip over HIV infected go. actors identity goes into overdrive as rumors spread online That's it.
0: Can't believe you haven't been no. this is wow. This is off your well, grid. Well first
1: of all, first of all, the celebrity has not been named. Mm-hmm. Second of all, you know what it is? Our network to our credit what little credit we can give our network yeah. they 're not going to start floating rumors about about well, gay actors having hiv and who 's that that's, well uh,
0: here 's the thing I mean it is apparently a bisexual actor, but no one knows he 's bisexual yeah, anyway it's, bottom all line. That's too it 's too so,
1: sorted for us we so don't do that. so
0: bottom line there is uh, there is a particular site that has said. They're, they're, they're trying to sort of do this by process of deduction. TMZ. So they have said, if you are a celebrity or a representative of a celebrity who has been rumored to be this person, um, send us you know an email at the following address so that we can add you to the list of people that it is not. So they have this huge running paragraph, it is definitely not, and it goes all the way down, you know, Bradley Cooper, Johnny Depp, Tom Hanks, and, 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 you know, and so, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, all these people, it is not.
1: Nobody's, re- no, Leo's rep is not going to.
0: No, but these people, this is apparently the running list of people it definitely is not. But where, but where did they, they, they get those to get names they- from? They want. Apparently, they, they 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 are their reps. Actually, you or their
1: agents. The Leonardo the Leo DiCaprio's rep is gonna is gonna call whatever TMZ or some low red radar if, online. If, if, there, we're not gay. We are no, not bi. To get, we're not no, H M. But to
0: get your name off of the rumor list is what they're trying to do. I would trying them, to, I, t-
1: I would tell them screw off.
0: Yeah. Well, they're trying to get their name out of the rumor mill. You would be shocked at all the names that are in there. That it is definitely not. going But this is what has story. this is what has led to the rumor that it's that it's Charlie. And Charlie Sheen. Yeah, that's where the rumor is. Because well, that's
1: because well, but that wouldn't be. But see, that wouldn't be surprising. Well, that's he, the thing. That's he, what, he, he. trumpets that. He <laughs> loves it. He lives for that. But you he know, doesn't hide that. And he his Twitter is that.
0: feed. His Twitter feed has gone dark. You know. I mean, it's a whole. It's there's a whole thing. So I, uh, you know, I I certainly pray that it's not. I certainly hope that it's not. Because Charlie's, uh, despite all of the all the nonsense, you know. Uh, I've known Charlie since we were kids, and despite all the nonsense and the madness and the partying and whatnot, there's a really good guy there. And uh, so, it, that also is my prayer that it definitely is not. And I hope the rumor mongering is put to rest very, very soon because uh, this this thing is just taking on a life of its own. <laughs> so, it really is.
1: By the way, uh, okay. First of all, wait. This, the, okay, this cannot be a two hour show because we're talking yes. about this all the time. Okay. But I have to say that yeah. it, it, one one article does say. Most speculation being overwhelmingly pointed at Charlie Sheen. Exactly. Other names that have been floated include Robert Downey Jr., Colin Farrell, Sean Penn, and Leonardo DiCaprio.
0: Um, uh, most of whom I think are on that list now that it definitely is not. So. Uh,
1: All right, Wade. So, tangerine. Yeah. Now, Tangerine is uh, notable for two reasons. <clears throat> One is it was shot on an iPhone 5. Now, now the movie was not just shot on an iPhone five. And they're the I-
0: pinching themselves. If only they'd have waited for the iPhone 6S exactly. plus.
1: Well, it which would by look the way, so much I better. I bought one. I did too. So, do you like it? I love it. I do like. I like it. Fantastic. A lot. Yes. It's I, as I said before. It's, yeah. it's 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 an iPad mini mini. It is. So I like it. Anyway, the iPad uh, the iPad, the iPhone 5 that uh, the director Sean Baker uh, shot this on, was equipped with, with brand new anamorphic lenses that just fit an iPhone yeah. 5. So it yes. wasn't like he took an iPhone 5 like you and I would.:
0: But there, but they're anamorphic lenses that they never change. It's the same lens, it's the same focal length for the whole movie. It's not like he switches it up and you'll get, you know, different focal lengths like you would with a real movie where, you know, OK, we'll throw on a 50. All right. Now we throw on the 25. Now we throw on the, you know,
1: which which the, for this film is fine because it's a very and, raw street level sort of a movie.
0: Yeah, it still looks like a home movie, but carry on.
1: The other thing that's notable is about it. Uh, it uh, <laughs> Wade wants me to say something I'm not going to say. It's um, <laughs> it is a rather raw, rambunctious Sometimes funny, sometimes it's, seedy and dirty. Look at uh, a, a start- particular subsection of L.A., Life. There's a stretch
0: of Santa Monica Boulevard. Which which, which
1: I drive by every morning.
0: Every morning. Look, if you live in Los Angeles, here's how it goes. Santa Monica Boulevard is one of the streets, like Wilshire and others, that goes all the way from Santa Monica and the coast, zaps all the way through Beverly Hills and into downtown Los Angeles. So Santa Monica Boulevard uh, has a lot of different stretches. And once you get through Century City and Beverly Hills... Then you come to West Hollywood, the stretch that they commonly call Boys Town, which is, you know, West Hollywood is a predominantly gay community, and that's where, you know, a lot of a lot of gay bars are, and a lot of, you know, it's, it's, it's very, it is... It but is, that's
1: west of where this movie takes. That, right.
0: And then when you get past that section, then you get into a really weird seedy section that is where the emigre Russian community has settled, and it's also where you start getting all the transsexuals, and there's a lot of prostitution, and it gets really kind of seedy and weird. And that whole Russian transsexual mix is.
1: Oh, I, is I I used to work right there. Yeah, you, I, you know I, the I deal. I saw them.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's like a Russian video store next to a gay porn theater, and it's it's very there'd be like two little old Russian ladies carrying their vodka. Oh, no, there was a guy passing a prostitute. It's a strange stretch of town.
1: There, there was a guy, and by the way, because when I watched this film Tangerine, yeah. which is which is an inter- interesting movie, I have to say I. For the first ten minutes, I thought I do not want to spend the next ninety minutes with a bunch of. Uh essentially,
0: essentially, the story here is that the the director Sean Baker, Baker. right, uh, who's very kind of you know he makes these edgy avant garde kind he's of like Larry Clark. Larry, he's Larry Clark, right? Yeah, kind of same kind of deal. So he wanted to take an iPhone and and shoot a movie with. He met these these uh, these transsexuals in uh in, in in uh West Hollywood and they are not prostitutes but he decided to you know cast these non-actors as prostitutes in a movie about you know one of them looking for her her pimp and you know he's cheated on her and all this kind of stuff so there's a so there's so this is essentially what it is and it gets very raw and hysterical and then it gets into this this Armenian Cab, Cab driver, driver yeah. and his family, and it gets very uncomfortable. That stuff with him is very awkward, you know the, and I really didn't like it at that point. It just kind of pushed some bad buttons with me.
1: But what's funny is that as I was watching the film, I thought, this film is dirty. It is seedy. It is unpleasant. I want to take a shower. But that probably meant that the film was kind of working on you. It is. That's I okay. wish
0: I wish it were a little more... A little less raw? Let's put it this way. I was never unaware of the fact that I was watching a movie that was shot on an iPhone. The acting, the photography, it never really made me disappear into that world like a Larry Clark film would, where if I'm watching kids, the disturbing thing about kids is I forget I'm actually watching a movie. I feel like I'm a fly on the wall of some place where I just don't want to be. Here, I never felt like I forgot it was a movie.
1: I, by the way, I just have to finish my story because... Yes, uh, finish your story. Because nobody cares, but yeah. I'll finish it anyway. Uh, so I used to work in the area on Santa Monica and the Highland where this movie takes place. The whole movie yep. takes place in this yep. area. Yep, that's the block that they mm-hmm. go up and down. And it's true. The people who walk up and down this block, a lot of them are uh, prostitutes, a lot of them are transsexuals or gay or bi. There was this one guy. True story. And and I was, I was young when I used to work in this on this block. Oh, I know. And Like 12, 12, 13? I I was a 12-year-old sex worker. No, uh, I was working at a TV company. Anyway, uh, so scary. So there was this guy. He was about Mm -hmm. 6'2", African-American guy. Yep. He would walk up and down the street with no shirt. He was totally ripped. Mm -hmm. One half of his face was painted white, and the other half of his face was painted black. And? Like that episode of Star Trek with Frank Gorshin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that, what this guy was. Let that I, be
0: your last battlefield. Yes, I don't think mm-hmm. he
1: was making any statement on that. But And he would walk up and down the block tall, ripped, shirtless, with his face painted. And that's all he would do all day long.
0: Did Frank Gorshin ever act on a television show as no. a character that did not wear leotards? kind of did that all the time, didn't he? I don't know who yeah. you are. Anyway. All right. Well, that's uh, Tangerine, and it's it's got some special features. Uh, mostly featurette stuff, but uh, it's interesting behind the scenes stuff because it's interesting how the film was made. So um, you know, we, we have mixed feelings about it. But I, it look it's a it's a subculture of Los Angeles that's never been dealt with in a movie before. So there is there is that. Uh, and we are your friends. Good grief! This thing's Aww. out on DVD and Blu-ray. They only sent it to us on DVD because apparently they're they they've lost enough money. And uh, you realize that this I this I, just...
1: I I think the didn't this movie have the worst per screen average of any film opening over 2,000 screens like yep. it had the worst yep. of all time it
0: just, it just I mean I, I, they, they clearly thought hey Zach Efron as a who, DJ who in a movie about electronic dance music who? it
1: can't lose who crap
0: because the kids love that stuff they who? love the shizzle who cares no they don't they're going to see actual DJs in clubs who are playing actual electronic dance music why would they pay money to see Zach Efron posing as a DJ why would
1: they pay money make to make see Zach Efron do anything he can't open a movie he
0: can't no it's true anyway Anyway, so big mistake. One of the few misfires for uh, for Working Title uh, in recent years. Tim Bevan and Eric Fellner usually have the touch of gold, but this is not what they should be doing. So uh, we are your friends. Defin- definitely, definitely missed that one.
1: Uh, Jimmy's Hall by the uh, great Ken Loach, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Kind of minor Ken Loach.
1: It is kind of minor Ken Loach. However, it's Ken good, Loach is good. However, uh, you know Loach. I mean, how many movies does he have left in him? I think he was going. Was he not going to retire? Um, was this some talk of him retiring, or was that um, was know. that the one, uh, Mike, Mike Lee? Lee? Mike, Mike Lee why, th- why do I always get Mike Lee? Do, am I the only one who gets Mike Lee and Ken Loach mixed up?
0: No, I mean their films are, are well, they come from the same. They they worked to, together in, in English television, so I mean they they have similar backgrounds. They're both very kind of blue collary guys, but
1: I love Ken Loach. You know, he's Ken,
0: Ken Loach is a very you know he's a socialist. He's a very social justicey kind of guy. He makes movies that are very messagey. Mike Lee is just a curmudgeon, and he will just he will insult you and belittle you if you ask him a stupid question. He's the best. He's all about he's all about the acting.
1: Anyway this is a very minor key um, Ken Loach but still very good uh, you know it's a it's usual combination of you know there's politics in here as Wade says he's very socialist uh, but it's still very entertaining he's, uh, he's just a great craftsman of this sort of like working class kind of uh, story and uh, look it's life is messy and complex and no one is better at uh, conveying the messy and complex life of uh, people across the pond than uh, Ken Loach so yeah, yeah. I really like this a lot Again, minor Ken Loach, but I liked it a lot.
0: I I agree. It's uh, it is a decent film. All right, Mark, I'm gonna burn through the uh, the gay titles, and then we'll move on to uh, television or classic movies. I'll let you you pick which. Uh, you know the the highlight here. Uh, the reason we're going through this Big Eden, Big Eden, kind of a big deal actually. This is a, a significant crossover film. Um, really was a kind of a big deal at the time. And uh, this is the 15th anniversary Blu-ray edition of Big Eden, which includes Cast Reunion and uh, a whole bunch of other fun things on it. Featurettes, uh, commentary that was originally part of the original edition 15 years ago. Uh, great performances by Ari Gross, who is always a really, really good actor. Doesn't show up enough. Louise Fletcher, of course, from uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest um the essentially this is the uh if you don't know this uh, if you don't if you're not familiar with the for, the, uh, the film from 15 years ago which really had a lot of festival success um it was uh, this is not a gay film per se i mean it is a gay subject matter but it wasn't sort of limited to uh, to uh, gay film festivals and whatnot. uh it's essentially a guy who goes back to uh, his home in uh, in montana to um sort of C- express his love to his best friend who never really knew and it is a fascinating beautifully made really sensitively acted film and uh, definitely worth checking out and Big Eden from Wolf is out now in a lovely 15th anniversary Blu-ray edition um, also available uh, from Alive Mind the, uh, a division of Kino is Goodbye um, Golly Mountain a- an eco-sexual love story this is a film by and starring Beth Stevens and uh Annie Sprinkle, her partner. Now, Annie Sprinkle? Annie Sprinkle? Yes, Annie Sprinkle. Uh Annie Sprinkle is kind of a celebrity unto herself. You can uh go and uh Google her. She's got, you know, her whole kind of pornographic uh legacy is very well known but what this basically is is this is they they call themselves ecosexuals because they're trying in this case they're trying to save the Appalachians and i i you know what the the whole the whole idea here is is a very weird one that they want to somehow make the mountain part of their union they want to marry the mountain it's strange it's weird it's kind of funny not bad uh i found it um uh, I, I had to keep watching it because I thought it was just going it, to it, you just don't know where it's going to go it's just weird uh, then we also have uh, as long as we're on the uh, we just talked about Tangerine as long as we're on the uh, the transsexual bandwagon why not let's go all the way Mala Mala uh, from Strand is a uh, a kind of a, a they, they call it a landmark documentary I don't know if it's a landmark there have been other documentaries like this it is in Spanish it's a Spanish film um, but it is essentially uh, a, 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 a t- looking at a uh, you know it's a tra- it's just about transgender people. All right, what can I tell you? It's a documentary about transgender trans- people. It's a documentary we about transgender people. It's a documentary about transgenderism. Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, does it in a very mature and interesting way, a compelling way. uh, And that is kind of in the conversation right now, thanks to Jeffrey Tambor, winning uh, awards for that Amazon series. uh,
1: Yeah, transparent.
0: Transparent. So uh, that adds to the conversation. We also have the uh, not-so-bad in the grayscale, also from Wolf. Um, kind of, uh, you know, sort of a sort of, sort of routine. I wouldn't call this crossover. This is kind of sort of routine, uh, but respectably made um, uh, male gay stuff. Uh, we also have, along the same lines, A Reunion from Aristical. Uh, slightly less interesting. Uh, Liz in September is a, uh, a very, very good film from the uh, French director, Fina Torres, who uh, previously won an award at Cannes. It is based on a novel and um, actually very, very nicely shot. I, a little a little thin by way of story. Um, it's based on a play which has lesbian themes in it. Um, but it's it is you know it's got that Euro sheen to it and uh, it, it, it gets away from the plainness, the theatricality a little bit, but um, you know nice nice Mediterranean backdrop and uh, some good performances. If you're a fan of East Siders, that this is also from Wolf. Uh, East Siders is in its second season, and uh, I'm I'm only vaguely familiar with the series, but uh, I guess others are. And then we have a quartet of films from TLA, uh, which include a Supernatural, um, Everlasting Love, which is a uh, manufacturer on Demand title uh dishonored bodies, and then the one that is probably most significant uh Jess and James, which uh got a lot of uh festival exposure and uh is actually pretty pretty well done pretty well acted uh i wouldn 't call this a crossover either but uh, it 's in spanish so it uh you know it feels you know, you know, if it 's in a foreign language it just feels feels foreign. like it feels it feels significant it feels important it depends on the language
1: yeah sure sort of languages make things sound lame you know what i have to say uh, english not a pretty language well it is french it's... is a pretty language french
0: is a pretty language swedish is a pretty language uh, it is not uh mandarin if spoken by a woman can be wonderful
1: and when it's when woman hear... dead's woman
0: oh stop that's a joke i would have come up with <laughs> that's not
1: funny in other words a bad joke yes yeah, do those like that. do those okay which these yeah the ones right there okay What's do that? all those oh, are we doing all these today
0: uh, well we're going to try to get through as much as we can because next week is the holiday show it's all gifts and holiday stuff and you know well, all then that kind go of... go all go. right all that kind Call of jazz you. all right blah, rock on uh, let me just do these real quickly here uh, Gene Autry Collection 12 uh, four more Gene Autry movies that you've probably never heard of but if, if you got the first 11 volumes why, why stop now uh, sagebrush Troubadour, Ride Ranger, Ride, uh, Yodelin' Kid from Pine Ridge, and Gold Mine in the Sky—all of them are exactly the same. Every Gene Autry movie is just like every other one. I'm finding out. And then, uh, real quickly, we uh, Tim and I talked about last week the uh, sequel to the original Doctor Goldfoot and the Bikini Mean uh, Machine. And this week uh, they finally got us the original Doctor Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine with Vincent Price and Frankie Avalon and Dwayne Hickman, and of course Susan Hart in a bikini. Uh, this is from Kino Lorber, Studio uh, Classics, a uh, a wonderful uh, m- thing that they mined from the 20th and MGM library, directed by Norman Tarragh, who, of course, did a lot of great comedies of the day, and Vincent Price is priceless, truly priceless. He is Vincent Priceless in this. Uh, a lot of fun. I-, I think this movie is just a gas. I do. Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Me- Machine, uh, the original fembots. Mark.
1: Oh, uh, yes. am I saying something? There you go. Uh, a bullet for Joey, I will only recommend because it was directed by Lewis Allen, my step-grandfather. Yay. Yay. She, uh, it was funny because we talked about Trumbo before the show started, and Lewis, who was my father's third wife's... St- wife, Lewis Allen was my father's don't, don't, third don't, don't wife's don't break your brain. stepfather. Of course My father's yes, third wife's stepfather. There so I go. am related vaguely by marriage to Louis Allen, Oh, my Who's gosh. Who is director of, director of uh, A Bullet for Joey. Um, this is okay. It's it's, it's an okay film. It, it it tries to combine all sorts of, like, subgenres. Like, it's got the Canadian police. It's got foreign spies. It's got uh, American gangsters. So there's a lot going on here. But it's got a good cast, George Raft, Edward G. Robinson, uh, you know, top line this thing. And so look, if if you like this kind of stuff, this is from nineteen fifty five, Kino Lorber, they always do a good job with this uh this kind of material. So um yeah, I would definitely check out if you're into like screen tough guys, you like that kind of stuff from the forties and fifties. Uh, you know, minor Edward G. Robinson and George Raft, but still a good movie, uh Bullet for Joey. Yeah. I was not a fan of the troll films because um all those troll films came out at a time when um, I just didn't like seeing these types of movies now that I'm a little bit older and, you know, I'm watching them now and I'm not that easily scared anymore. Uh, they're kind of campy and stupid. And when I say campy and stupid, I, I, I really mean campy and stupid. Now, the original Troll, uh, you got to check that out because it co-stars uh, Julie Louis-Roberts, uh, Julie Roberts, Julie Louis-Dreyfus. And Julia Louis-Dreyfus, there was a time now, Julia louis dreyfus was always yeah. a pretty woman. Yes. She was never like an unattractive lady. No. But there was a time. Yeah. And to see that time, you should check out Troll. Because Troll's from, you know, like 1986, mm-hmm. uh, when Julia louis dreyfus was hot. That was kind of
0: uh, right after her her SNL days, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. 86. Yeah, it would have yeah, been, it been it right.
0: It would have yeah. been
1: right after that, yeah. And then, unfortunately, they made Troll 2, which it looks like they made on a much smaller budget with a much less interesting uh, cast. So um, I would pass on Troll 2, although when this uh, Blu-ray collection, is Troll 1 and 2, but still, all you really need is the original Troll. Uh, I'd pass on Troll 2. All right. Uh, now we have Monty Python and the Holy Grail, 40th anniversary. Now, this movie has been out 17,000 times on Blu-ray and DVD <laughs> and and half-inch and, 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 half and three-quarter-inch tape. So, you know, the what they do here is they give you some new... They give you a new Q&A with some of the Pythons, and sure, that's fine. But a lot of this stuff was on previous Blu-ray and DVD iterations. So uh, I, I, I would just... Look, if you don't own this at all, you might as well get this. Mm-hmm. But if you already own one, there's no reason to get the 40th anniversary Blu-ray of Monty Python on the Holy Grail. Which, by the way, I was saying to somebody the other day, it's something very controversial. Monty Python movies? Yes. Hilarious. Yes. Monty Python TV shows? Lame. Yeah. Lame. I know. Monty Python TV, lame. I know. Monty Python movies, hilarious. I agree. How how, how could that be? You do not agree. I don't
0: agree. I'm just trying to to shut you up so I don't argue with you. Okay. (laughs) I'm serious. Uh, So, uh, Living in Oblivion has never been on Blu-ray. It is now on Blu-ray. The Tom DiCillo film uh, that won the Screenplay Award at the Sundance Film Festival is now enjoying its 20th anniversary, and they have finally put it out on Blu-ray. So, thank you, Shout Factory. Uh, who always seems to come up with the right stuff at the right time. Uh, the uh, Living in Oblivion, you know, it's interesting, because uh, Tom DiCillo reunited with uh, Steve Buscemi some years later, actually just a few years ago, uh, 2005, on a film, which my wife was working on at the time. So I got to, you remember this, I went to New York for, uh, for like a month.
1: I remember that, and you, 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 that? you and you you were going to all screenings. My, you loved all, going to screenings by rolling out I of bed did, at your hotel, just, I crossing
0: it. the street. Well, partly because you know my wife would get up every day and she'd like she'd roll on downtown to go to the production offices where she was cracking the whip and doing whatever it was that she was hired to do down there. She was working for the production company, not the production. There's a difference. So the company, the Canadian company that funded it, they hired her. Anyway, um so uh, I basically just spent her per diem every day just walking around New York and going to places and having a, having sandwiches and sightseeing and, and and whenever there was a screening, oh hey, look. There are seven screening rooms that are a 5-minute walk from our hotel at uh, at 49th and Broadway, which was brilliant. And uh you know, it, I, I that was just I couldn't believe it. I didn't want to go home. It, it, don't have to sit in traffic, don't have to drive, literally walk 5 minutes. It's amazing. <laughs> Amazing. It's fantastic. Because a
1: lot of the screening rooms are in Times Square.
0: They're right around Times Square. right around. And the Broadway screening room, literally, I could roll out of bed. Forget, don't brush my teeth. Don't uh, fix my hair. Shower. Nothing. Just literally roll out of bed. Throw on a robe and some slippers. Take the elevator down. Cross the street to the to the Broadway building. Right across 49, Take the elevator up to like the 6th or 7th floor. And there's a screening room. Sit down. Watch the movie. Five minutes from bed to to theater seat that was wow. the best I have ever I, I can't even get across my house in five minutes
1: Incredible. anyway Living in
0: Oblivion 20th anniversary uh, one of the funniest movies ever about making movies Steve Buscemi is just the, the poor most misbegotten filmmaker ever a uh, bunch of uh, brand new interviews with Tom Bacillo and producer and cast members and all the other fun stuff in here. James Lagro, the most underrated indie di- uh, actor in history. I still love him. He shows up a lot on TV now, but he's great. Of course, audio commentary, and uh, it's great. Just is a really, really great film. And for those who don't know, James Lagro in this film basically plays Brad Pitt. The movie is just, it's, it's Tom DiCello had such a horrible time directing Brad Pitt on, uh, what was the, the previous thing? Uh, Sammy, Johnny, whatever the movie that was that they did before this. Where he has the big Pompadour. Anyway, he hated working oh, with not
1: it. Not Johnny Dangerously. Johnny, not jo- uh, is, is, Johnny something.
0: Bobby Hollywood, whatever it was. <laughs> I, remember, uh, I remember that movie. That movie, yeah. Everyone's forgotten about that one. It was like,
1: like half animation or something. Was there something going
0: uh, on there? Well, it, I can't remember. It's such a forgettable film. But Tom DiCillo hated working with it, so it. Just couldn't stand him. He was such a prima donna at the time, apparently. So he made Living in Oblivion and cast James LeGros as just like to mock him, sort of the way that uh, Billy Wilder cast that, that dumb blonde in the apartment as a way of getting back at Marilyn Monroe for giving him such a nightmare on, uh, on Something Like It Hot.
1: <laughs> Showing about so, three hours late.
0: Yeah, so anyway, and forgetting her lines and be drunk and need to put the lines in the drawers so that she could even remember what to say. Anyway, so Living in Oblivion winds up being a better film. Oh, Johnny Handsome! That's it. That's it, Johnny Handsome. See, we can't. Oh, even remi- Cool
1: World was the one that was. Yeah, um, that's that's what it was.
0: Animation. Johnny Handsome is such a forgettable movie. I barely even remember it. Anyway,
1: now Johnny Dangerously. Uh,
0: there you go. That's
1: good. Anyway, so let's uh, let's do a little Woody Allen from uh, Twilight Time. Now, uh, Shadows and Fog is uh, Woody's uh, homage to German Expressionism, and uh, you know this was back when Woody was getting into the serious stuff. This is the early '90s, and I don't know that the world was ready for Woody to get into serious stuff at this point, but. I have to say, if you go back and rewatch Shadows and Fog, it's kind of a good movie. Yeah. And it's got some funny stuff in it. He, there's a funny line where he says, uh, in, in the movie, Woody plays this clerk who's, who helps this band of vigilantes help find a serial killer. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, so it's, it's shot like, it's, it's sort of like his version of M, in a yeah. sense. And there's some funny line about how he goes. Hey, I think it's I, a funny I, film. I, I I had the strength of one small boy with, with polio. <laughs> I don't know, this funny line. Uh, anyway, so Shadows and Fog, it's uh you can see t- you know, Woody's working out some new stuff now. You know, yeah. he's kind of in a transition period. It's a fun film. But uh it's, yeah, it's, it's, un- good. it's really
0: underrated, I think. Uh, and we have a bunch of other stuff from Twilight Time. What a uh, what a great company! Um, this is uh, this is the rest of their uh, their line from uh, and, and all of them now are in these clear Blu-ray cases, which are really classy looking. And you get these at ScreenArchives.com. Uh, and uh, Sense and Sensibility finally out. I can't believe they were able to snatch this away from Sony in Columbia. Uh, Ang Lee directing an Oscar-winning screenplay by Emma Thompson. Uh, produced by Lindsay Duran, wonderful producer, and uh, the, you know the incredible Jane Austen adaptation. Uh, it's just wonderful. There's e- nothing about this film that is bad. It is an absolutely delightful film, uh, in every conceivable way. The isolated score track that is uh, kind of uh, the 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 hallmark of the uh, Twilight Time releases is gorgeous, absolutely wonderful. Patrick Doyle does one of his best ever scores. It's just it's it's. A step above what he, even what he does for Branagh. Um You also get uh, audio commentary with Emma Thompson and Lindsay Duran. Audio commentary with Ang Lee and James Sheamus, his longtime partner and, uh, and producer. Uh, and then uh, just tons of great behind-the-scenes featurettes. It's absolutely gorgeous. And, of course, Emma Thompson's Golden Globe acceptance speech. Uh, fantastic. That, that alone is like the pick of the week. Uh also from Twilight Time uh the uh a limited edition release of Fatherland this is from Film 4 this is a Ken Loach film th- as long as we're you know talking Ken Loach this is kind of an unsung Ken Loach film that a lot of people never even knew existed from 1986 and um uh I I wouldn't say it is uh his best film but it's one of his most unusual films. It's definitely a uh, kind of a stretch for him a little bit. It still has the the political themes. Uh, it's very much dealing with the you know this East German songwriter who you know is now kind of he's escaped East Germany, but now he's facing additional pressures. He's getting out of his comfort zone and so forth. And um, it, it's Ken Loach being less sort of usually he deals with groups of figures. This is very focused on one guy. It's pretty interesting. And then there is Scorpio from Michael Winner, which is uh, featuring a very aging Burt Lancaster, an aging Alan Delon, and aging Paul Schofield, all sort of kind of trying to keep up with each other in 1973. Um, could you know, Michael Winner? Uh, let leave it Death alone wish. with Death Wish. Leave it with Death Wish. This is not Death Wish. Um, this is a it's a minor film but it's uh, if you like those actors I guess there's a little bit of uh, you know it's a it's a kind of a spy thriller it's not brilliant. Uh much more interesting is Broken Lance actually. Uh as long as we're talking about aging actors and aging Spencer Tracy is like wine or cheese he's just uh, he's just getting better not moldy. Uh Richard Widmark is always great. This is a this is a really really cool uh western from the 1950s. Uh beautifully directed by Eddie Dimitrick and uh you know Earl Holliman, E.G. Marshall. I mean it's just all those crusty old guys. It's really really good. Um it's it's a rancher film and uh you know young Robert Wagner shows up in this as well. Uh, Rancher movies are you know, kind of a dime a dozen from that era, but not all of them have Spencer Tracy. He is just the man. And then uh, let me burn through the uh, Fox M.O.D. titles real quickly here, and then I will turn you over to a couple of those anthology things. Um, here's some of the stuff out from Fox M.O.D. in the Cinema Archives as well as their MGM line, the limited edition collection. Uh, we have The Silent Call. Uh, Starring Gail Russell, a true story uh, about a, uh, you know, a a poor family that moves from Nevada to Los Angeles and uh, they have to, you know, abandon their dog and then it becomes a kid and a dog movie. It's pretty, it's okay. Uh, Sniper's Ridge, uh, kind of a routine uh, war movie. Uh, Takes place during the Korean War. Not, not, not terrible, not great. Uh, It's got some decent performances in it, but, you know, kind of a, definitely a B movie from the era. Uh, Snows of Kilimanjaro, absolutely uh, fantastic film with uh, Gregory Peck and Ava Gardner. This has been out before. You can get this in all kinds of uh, uh, illegitimate, uh, uh, you know, editions uh, that are that you know public domain things. It's not really in the public domain, but there's a lot of a lot of copies of it floating around. So this thing has been out in a million times in really really bad editions. This looks great, even though it's mod, much much better than the others. So Gregory Peck, Susan Hayward, Ava Gardner. Uh, really turn it up for uh, producer Daryl Zanuck and director Henry King in The Snows of Kilimanjaro uh, Living on Tokyo Time um, from uh, director Stephen Okazaki got a little bit of uh, love back in the uh the late 80s. Uh this is uh you know a it's kind of an Asian American uh indie thing, a little bit of a little bit of punk attitude, a little bit of rock attitude. Um it's it's an okay indie, kind of a kind of an artifact everyone's forgotten about. Uh Hotel Colonial is in no way a kind of a film that I would ever say anything wonderful about, but if you want a cheesy movie with John Savage and Rachel Ward looking you know, looking pretty slick and Robert Duvall being his usual cranky self. I I guess this is an eighties artifact that fits the bill. Uh, Mr. Billion, pretty much forgotten. Uh, the only thing that's really worth watching about this is the Dave Grusin music, which is uh, kind of fabulous. Otherwise, it's, a, it's, a, it's really, really dated. Um, Jonathan Kaplan directed this in uh, the late 70s. This is one of those movies that just got completely overshadowed by everything else because it was just a style. It's going out of style. Uh, Slim Pickens, Jackie Gleason shows up a little bit, uh, but not really a terribly memorable film. Uh, the Old Gun, uh, also not terribly memorable, um, but uh, you know Romy Schneider is in it. It's set during World War II. It's a, you know, essentially a, a, a kind of an occupation f- in France film. And then the last one that I'm going to make mention of, because this is kind of a big deal, is Kissed. Um, Kissed was uh, in, from 1997. Uh, I, I thought this film would really, really launch a lot of people. Uh, Boy, was I wrong. Molly Parker is an amazing actress. She's a Canadian actress. She stars in this. Never really had the career that she deserved. I still keep hoping that she'll just hit it big. Um, But we're so many years after the fact. This is directed by Lynn Stopkowicz, who I thought was also going to become a huge thing at a certain point. The the bottom line here is this is about a woman who uh, develops an obsession with and a compulsion to uh, copulate with corpses at the morgue. You like that, Mark?
1: We've all been there.
0: Yeah, we have. Um, as weird and freakish as that sounds, it is an amazingly cool and haunting movie, and I highly recommend it. Even if it is on MOD, I wish it were on Blu-ray because it's incredibly well photographed. Really, some innovative light, light lighting in the movie, but too bad. Not
1: there. Okay, wait. Let's do some uh, couple of anthology uh, DVDs for you. We have uh three packaged together with a baseball theme from the good folks at Mill Creek Entertainment. We have uh Kill the Umpire, uh The Jackie Robinson Story and Safe at Home. These three again are on the same DVD. The two here you want to check out um are the Jackie Robinson story, because it stars Jackie Robinson. So uh, definitely um, a very interesting film. Jackie Robinson, you know, he's not a professional actor, but he's not bad. Yeah. You know, and obviously his story is, is iconic, as it deserves to be. And the other one is Safe at Home, which is not a great film. However, it does star Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris. It's about this kid who tells all of his friends that he knows uh, Mantle and Maris, and he's going to, you know, you know he's buddies with them. And so he's got to, of course, try to find them by going to spring training. Um, so Mantle and Maris, Maris, you know, he's such, he was such a shy guy, even during that whole, you know, even during the whole home run chase, he was just so shy, retiring, didn't want to talk to the press, just wanted to do his job. So the reason why he was starring a film, which is like, you know, the least private thing you can do, I don't know, but, uh, still historically, uh, there's value in that. Also, Mill Creek came up with three, uh, boxing films, um, there's the Joe Lewis story with Paul Stewart. Uh, that one's okay. William Holden and Barbara Stanwyck starring Golden Boy. That one's pretty good. But the best one is Requiem for a Heavyweight starring Anthony Quinn and Jackie Gleason and Mickey Rooney. That one, of course, was written by Rod Serling, who created The Twilight Zone. So that one is definitely the keeper there. Uh, Golden Boy being number two just by virtue of the cast. William Holden and Barbara Stanwyck. Then uh, we have also I, – I like this a lot. This is a two-DVD set. Well, the 1955 Rock and Roll Review and Rhythm and Blues Review, these were both recorded in 1955 at the Apollo Theater, unbelievable at music acts from back in the day, Count Basie, Duke Ellington, Nat King Cole, uh, Joe Turner, one of the originators of rock and roll, or, or what became rock and roll, um, Dinah Washington, and it's just just great stuff. It's obviously black and white, but um, a lot of great songs, Shake, Rattle, and Roll, and You know, better be on my way, and your cash ain't nothing. So I think this thing is just terrific. Um, Called uh, the 1955 Rock and Roll Review and Rhythm and Blues Review. Get it for your grandparents. And then finally, we have uh, three DVD sets of uh, dark film mysteries. Uh, This is, it's a bunch of stuff that, you know, uh, they're short-ish films. Uh, They run the gamut. Some are good, some are not good. Really all just packaged together a little sloppily but still there is good stuff in here the best one i think is detour the, the classic uh, detour which is like only 67 minutes but it's still kind of a classic film but there's still good stuff here too uh scarlet street is on here uh you got to love that kansas city confidential is on here uh the stranger with orson welles that's on that's on here too so it's actually not a bad uh compilation of uh mystery movies but still you know i, I think uh you know, some of these are best bought as individual DVDs, and some of these are even on Blu-ray. So, uh, but if you want them all for a cheap price, stuff like *The Stranger* with Arson Welles, and of course *The Classic Detour* and *Scarlet Street* with uh, Edward G. Robinson, check out uh, *Dark Film Mysteries*.
0: And uh, one of the best films uh, of the 90s and one of the coolest films released this week is uh, actually this was released a few weeks ago. Oscilloscope uh, has come out with a really cool anniversary release. Of The City La Ciudad from 1999. Uh, indie filmmaker David Riker, this was his debut film. He took uh, years and years and years in the 1990s to go uh, to shoot this with just basically non-actors and uh, amateur actors, just throwing together one of the, it's kind of like Eraserhead and David Lynch, right? He just took uh, the forever to put together this black and white film that sort of wove together uh, a collection of different stories of Latin American immigrants coming to New York City and struggling in various ways it is poetic it is haunting it is beautiful it is touching it is romantic it is disturbing all of those things it's just a really wonderful textured film and it uh, comes with a great half-hour documentary about the making of the film and a whole bunch of uh conversations with uh, Riker and his original actors um it's fantastic oscilloscope really kills it with this Uh, la ciudad one of the coolest films of the 90s uh hopefully getting rediscovered the House on Carroll Street with Kelly McGillis and Jeff Daniels kind of a one of those uh, those low-level uh, Orion films from the late 80s it didn't really go anywhere. Orion, you know, they won a number of uh, Best Picture awards and then uh, had a bunch of films that just kind of uh, didn't really do too well, which is why the company eventually went under. I would have expected better from Peter Yates, but um unfortunately it just uh it just doesn't. It's uh you know, it's, is it a romance? Is it a thriller? Is it a drama? Uh, nobody really knows. And it, uh, the, it takes place during the uh, House and American Activities Committee uh, uh, hearings and tries to be a political thriller at the same time. Never really does anything. It, it, is, is it a little bit of a film noir? Is it, is it, it, it doesn't really know. It's between all those things. So uh, Kelly McGillis and Jeff Daniels are decent and, um, you know, Mandy Patinkin is fine, but uh, other, otherwise it is it is definitely disappointing Peter Yates. That's on Blu-ray. And then a trio from the Warner Archive collection that are a, an absolute delight, Jack Benny. Uh, it's in the air. Anything that Jack Benny is in, it is, wor- is worth watching. This is just wonderful uh, with Una Merkel on top of that. That's just a classic pairing. Um, really b- unbelievable. Uh, you know, the, the dealing with the with bookies and how you how you fix a you know a, like a horse race and stuff. It's really a lot of fun. Um, Alec Guinness and Gina Lilla Brigida in Hotel Paradiso, which is also an awful lot of fun. Uh, Alec Guinness. People forget how funny Alec Guinness could be. This is Alec Guinness just in in absolute great screwball mode. Um, as good as he was in all of his Ealing comedies and all of that stuff. Uh, really just a del- uh, an absolutely delightful uh, comedy um, uh, based on a uh, a French farce, I believe. But uh, in any case, it's uh, really, really fun. Still takes place in Paris. Just a lot of wackiness. And then we've talked in the past about Forbidden Hollywood, Mark. They, uh, they always keep getting these great pre-code films together. And this is Volume 9 of Forbidden Hollywood. If you have the other eight, got to get this one. Big City Blues, Hell's Highway, The Cabin in Cotton, and uh, When Ladies Meet and I Sell Anything. Um, l- interesting stuff in all of them, absolutely. Uh, Robert Montgomery is particularly interesting with, uh, with Myrna Loy in uh, When Ladies Meet. Uh, if you like either of them, you will be sort of semi-shocked at what goes on in this one. Uh, Betty Davis, of course, is uh, what you want to watch in uh, the uh, Cabin in the Cotton, and uh, the uh, Joan Blondell is uh, is the big uh, attraction for director Mervyn Leroy in Big City Blues. So some big names there for sure, definitely worth checking out. And uh, Mark, we're not going to. Uh, doesn't look really like we're going to get to any of our television, so we will hold off on that and uh, and dip into our Vox box now.
1: Wait, wait, Can I do the thing? Do the thing. <gasps> It's VoxBox. Ah, oh, I surprised you. You did. Hello, Wade and Mark. This is Tim Teach, longtime listener, first time VoxBoxer. Uh, just a quick question for you. I am an amateur filmmaker, and I was just wondering what commentaries would you suggest that an amateur filmmaker listen to that they could learn the most from? Thank you. Keep up the good work. Love the show.
0: Boy, that that is like. Thank thank you for the question, Tim. Really appreciate it. Uh, and thanks for you. You've been with us for so long, so it's nice to have a, a first time VoxBox from you. Um,
1: I can uh, I can name a couple. Yeah, anything from Steven Soderbergh.
0: Oh, that's good. True, right? The Absolutely. Limey, that's a good one for sure. Yeah.
1: Um, I also tend to like uh, William Friedkin. Uh,
0: I'm going to dive in, and I'm going to say, uh, even though I I'm not a fan of Kevin Smith's movies, his commentaries are great.
1: Oh sure, They're absolutely. Really good. Yeah. Um. But by the way, throw this in. Soderbergh did a commentary for The Third Man.
0: Yeah. Which and is that's fantastic. really good.
1: Yeah. And again, you know, Friedkin to live and die in L.A. really good. Um. I, I would probably in French Connection. I would stay away from uh audio commentaries by like you know Roger. E- I mean, as, as Roger e was iconic, but if you want to yeah. learn about filmmaking, I would maybe not do the ones. By Roger Ebert, or ones that have a lot of actors in them, you really want the directors. Uh, you know, Coppola did commentary for the Godfather films,
0: and and for Apocalypse Now, which is a great commentary. Which is a great Apocalypse commentary now too. Is, I, I would I'd put Apocalypse Now right at the top, and then, um, but certainly like The Exorcist, of Friedkin for sure. The Exorcist is great. Absolutely it's fantastic. Uh, the Liming is great. Um, used Cars, you don't really. I always mention that. Just, because but that's because it's funny. It's, funny. <laughs> it's hysterical. You don't really learn anything about filmmaking, but it's just really funny. Um, what else is there? Uh, there's got to be some good Ridley Scott ones in there somewhere, right? He's a little dry, just, but still, I you I know. can't think of any that I, I just love off the top of my head, but, um... Cameron's done a few. Uh, Cameron did
1: a, did one for Aliens, which, which is, is not bad. Which is pretty because you know Cameron. Obviously, he's a very technical guy, very obsessive guy. So his audio commentaries, you tend to get a lot of that kind of stuff.
0: Godfather and Apocalypse. Now, I got to put right near the top, um, and and I got to put Clerks up there too because it's even though the movie's not good in my opinion, the commentary is good, and you learn a lot about his low budget indie filmmaking process and how that thing came together. So I would, for, for Tim's purposes, I would say that's a good one.
1: I'll give you one more. Yeah. Because I'm on a roll now. Wow.
0: Terry Gilliam, Brazil. That's Th- a good that one. Is the, the perhaps the greatest of all time. It's just so unbelievably entertaining.
1: How? Well, okay, this one not entertaining, but yes. he tends to speak in technical film terms. Michael Mann did an audio commentary for Thief. Yeah. So Michael Mann has done commentaries before. He's a good one. Michael Mann.
0: And you know, there were a couple, uh, not that these are filmmaking related, but there have been a couple for Spinal Tap, one of them serious and one of them all in character. Uh, That was the old criterion, right? Yeah, the 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 original criterion release had them all all in in character, which is uh, pretty priceless. Um, Again, you don't learn quite so much. And uh, boy, I wish I could think of some Scorsese or some Lumet ones because Lumet just talks; they both talk so well about the craft. Well, just read
1: to, you read Lumet's book making movies. Book, that's yeah. the way. To, that's really yeah. the way to experience yeah. his thoughts on movies. Um, network, network.
0: There's my there's my Lumet. Uh, oh, so. that's a great that's a great commentary. That is a really great. Comment. All right. Well, there it is. Um, thank you, Tim. We really appreciate the uh, the question. Please, everyone else, send us your Vox boxes. Send us your listener mails. Um, and send us your new intros at gods at digigods.com, please. And uh, check out digigods.com when the uh, when the show is up, when you listen to it. All the links for the shows, uh, all, the, all the movies covered, everything that we talk about. And uh, please, tell us how to improve it. We're still using the format, the template that... Uh, was pioneered by uh, by IGN, but we are happy to switch it up. We want it to be uh, user-friendly, so if there's anything that you want out of the way that the metadata and the listings for the uh, for the movies are are represented. Let us know. We'll switch it up. We'll do the best that we can. And with that, our show is over. And uh, again, our, our thoughts uh, are with all of you in Paris and in Beirut. And uh, we hope the world becomes a better place very soon. And uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll try to brighten your spirits in a bigger way next week with our 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 big annual holiday and gift guide show. It's going to be a lot of fun. Good night.